0: With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Biz Locker Radio, presented by the Business Locker Room. As always, operating at the intersection of sports and business, hey, this is the online show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. I say content with emphasis because today we're going to talk to Joe Polizzi about content marketing. He'll be joining us in just a few moments. But if you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. We have experts in sales and marketing and social media and business strategy, leadership, much, much more. You're listening to Biz Locker Radio. You can find us, by the way, bizlockerradio.com. And I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining us here today. Find us online or follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And hey, by the way, do what I do because we get so much valuable content out of these shows that I download the podcast off of iTunes. I listen on my daily commute. This is show number 55. It's called Killer Content Marketing. And if it's anything like our previous shows, the content's going to be absolutely spectacular. By the way, finished up last week, a series on sales, four weeks of spectacular sales guests, and I can't urge you enough to go find those shows either at BizLocker Radio or on iTunes. Download those because there is so much content there. Absolutely crazy, the guests that we had on, and I want to encourage you to have a piece of that as well. Later in the show, Miles Austin will join me. We'll do the X's and O's segment as we always do, and this week we're going to talk about help desks. And I'm excited to talk to Miles because I, I confess my ignorance in, in the tools that are available and how they use them. Of course, Miles Austin, the web tools guy at fillthefunnel.com, he'll fill in all the blanks for us. I'm looking forward to that. Our guest in our show today is Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. He's the founder of Content Marketing Institute. By the way, he was referred to me by one of the uh, Biz Locker Room coaches, one of the guys that contributes to our blog and uh, contributes content uh, to this show as well. Josh Miles uh, of uh, Miles Design. And of course, he's in the middle of an outstanding series of articles called The Bold Brand Challenge. If you've not yet been on Business Locker Room, bizlockerroom.com, make sure you track that down. What a great piece of writing that has turned out to be. But he referred me to Joe and I found his book, which is called Epic Content Marketing, How to Tell a Different Story, Break Through the Clutter, and Win More Customers by Marketing Less. By the way, It was uh, ranked as one of the five must-read business books of 2013 by Fortune Magazine. I don't have time to go through all of Joe's biography and awards and all the things he's done. Joe, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Kelly, it's wonderful being here, and I don't think your audience wants to
2: hear about my accolades. So we could just get on to the good stuff and teach them some content marketing.
0: Well, you know one of the first things I like to do is establish the credibility of the guest. I suspect most people who know anything at all about content marketing know about you, but you do have a very, very impressive uh, list of, of achievements here. You know the one that stands out is the John Caldwell Lifetime Achievement Award. I mean, Joe, how old are you? I mean <laughs> uh, I know
2: I feel like well i 'm going bald, so I guess that counts <laughs> counts for something <laughs> now I just turned forty two and uh, you know I've been I've been in the content marketing industry for over 15 years now, Kelly. And basically, the whole idea is, is that how can you as a company create valuable, relevant, and compelling content on a consistent basis to grow an audience, to build an audience? And I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. But launched the Content Marketing Institute in 2007. I've written three books. You talked about Epic Content Marketing, but the fourth book that will come out in September is called Content Inc., which. It's sort of a passion project for me, Kelly. It's, a, it's about the idea that with very little funds and little resources, you as an entrepreneur or a small business can, can grow an audience and you can live the life of your dreams. And I didn't even know this was possible, Kelly, but I was able to do it, uh, Launched CMI in 2007, and we made the Inc. 500 list. Uh, for the last three years, uh, and we're looking to do that again uh, this year, and it's just been a wonderful ride, and it's just wonderful teaching businesses that, you know, they don't have to advertise if they don't want to. If they create a compelling message and they have a loyal audience, you can pretty much sell whatever you want.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty incredible story and I'm, I'm excited to get the details. I know I enjoyed your book, Epic Content Marketing, greatly. Can't wait for the new one to come out as well. When, when you talk about content marketing, Joe, go back to your beginning. It wasn't called content marketing. In fact, part of the, in your book, you explain how you guys actually sort of originated that, that phrase, that idea. What was it before content marketing and how did you make that choice? And so I
2: I was was selling, actually, custom publishing projects. Custom publishing was the term for the industry. This is back in 2000, and uh, people were calling it custom publishing, custom media. Some people call it, and still do today, call it branded content, but... You know, as I was going and I was selling to chief marketing officers and talking about this thing, I'd say, you know, what are you doing in custom publishing? And by the time I got the words out, they'd already be sleeping. They'd, <laughs> they'd, 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 they didn't even know what what is that. Is that book publishing? What is custom media? Are we working on a DVD? Like, what, what's going on here? And as I started to do these sales calls, Kelly, I started to use the term content marketing, and more and more of those Uh, Marketing senior marketing executives used to kind of sit up in their chair, and they were taking notice, and they, oh, you know, content marketing, maybe we do some of that stuff. And that's when I learned that if you're selling anything in the marketing space, you have to call it marketing. So we sort of, um, you know, took the phrase content marketing and ran with it, and, of course, named the company after that as well. But, you know, people started to get, you know, it's the whole idea, yes, we're creating, you know, all kinds of social media content, any newsletters and blogs and print magazines, and whatnot, but there wasn't an, in, there wasn't a cohesive phrase for what we were doing, and I thought that was holding back the industry. So thankfully, uh, the industry adopted content marketing as the phrase, and sort of now there's a whole industry growing around uh, around what's going on in content marketing.
0: Well, if you're paying close attention at home, Joe's just shared one of the great secrets of content marketing, and that is if you can own the phrase and make it the name of your company in the, in the, in the arena in which you work, I would say that's probably a little bit of an advantage, Joe.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it helps in search engine optimization, that's for sure, because if you type in anything around content marketing, we're probably going to show up one or two in any, anything you search.
0: So it does help, yes absolutely helps well you've sort of referred to the fact that small businesses can take off and they can create a platform and and i think that's probably the most common question that that i am asked and that i hear people talk about is what do i do as a small business you know maybe i'm 3 4 5 million dollars maybe it's 10 15 million dollars in revenue or i'm an individual sales rep joe and i need to get into this content marketing space because clearly everybody else is doing it but i'm just completely overwhelmed can can a small company can 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 an individual salesperson really get out on that island and do it well?
2: Absolutely, Kelly, and I think it's actually easier for the small business to do it versus a large organization, and I'll tell you why, because we, we, as small businesses, we think, I don't have the budget, I don't have the resources of these big companies, but what you don't understand, we work mostly at Content Marketing Institute, we work with really, really super large companies, and what we go in and find out is there's so many politics, there's so much red tape, there's so many uh, people that don't want to talk to each other, and they're fighting over budgets, and things just, decisions don't happen fast, in a small business, business, all you have to do if you're going to focus on content marketing, most of them do it wrong, unfortunately, Kelly, because they're thinking, oh, I've got to be on social, I've got to be on Facebook and Twitter, and I've got to be creating all this content. Well, not really. What I want you to do is I want you to focus on Is there an audience out there that you're trying to target, a very specific audience? How do you create content on a consistent basis to that audience that positions you as the leading expert around that particular content niche? You pick a content type. Let's say that that's a podcast like we're on here, or let's say it's videos on YouTube, or let's say it's blogs on your WordPress blog platform. And then you create that content over time. You build a subscriber. Specifically, we want email subscribers or iTunes subscribers or YouTube subscribers, and you deliver that content ongoing over time. And what we found out, and I found out this, Kelly, with the research I just did for the new book, it takes approximately 15 to 17 months to see monetization. But the great thing is, once you get there, you have an amazing asset. You probably are the leading expert in that area, but Unfortunately, most small businesses don't give it that time, and as you know, I mean, you're podcasting. You have to do this religiously. You have to set, like, appointment-driven content so that people actually want to tune in. Most small businesses give up, and those that persevere and focus on solving an audience's needs and really positioning themselves as a leader in that area, they will be successful, but they have to do
0: it over time. My guest is Joe Polizzi. You can find him, by the way, at JoePolizzi.com. That's P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I.com. And follow him on Twitter, at Joe Polizzi. You know, I I think you make a really great point. It's one that we have run into here on BizLocker Radio, is that we we can track the spikes in listenership based on the people that we have on the show. And clearly... There are certain types of guests that, that create much more listening than other types of guests, no matter what I might think individually about uh, those guests. I mean, I, I believe that every single guest that I've had on this show, and this is number 55, have been absolutely spectacular, but we still see some that are different. And I suspect that's sort of what you're alluding to when you talk about targeting and, and learning from what you do and then beginning to niche that to, to, to a certain persona.
2: That's absolutely right, Kelly. I think one of the challenges is, is that as a small business or a sales rep or whoever you are, you have a lot of different customers. And you try you think, oh, I'm going to create content. But what you end up doing is you create broad content that's relevant to all of your customers. And as soon as you do that, Kelly, you've made a mistake. Because if you're too broad, you can't go relevant enough to a small group. Because look at your customer base. You have lots of different audiences in there. And as soon as you widen that out to more than one audience, you're irrelevant because somebody else will come come in there and be more relevant than you. So it's very hard for a small business to to make the decision and say, look, I'm just going to go after this small audience and we are going to – be the best at, that, at solving that particular audience's needs. And just most small businesses don't want to make that decision. And that's the hard part about doing this because we think going broad is us going big, but actually going big you have to go small.
0: So if I hear you right, Joe, what you're saying is, is that your, your knowledge base can be wide, but you've got to apply it to a very small fraction of people so that you can have some relevance inside of that small fraction of people.
2: That's absolutely right. I'll give you a good example. Look at the Huffington Post. Huffington Post, Arianna Huffington, very started very, very small and built one content platform around that political ideology that she had. Well, they've got 150 channels now. Those 150 channels target 150 different audiences. So as you think about growth, you want to say, look, I'm going to target this small audience first, and then as you grow, you can create something else for a second audience or a third audience, but you have to start with one, and if Arianna Huffington would have went out with the Huffington Post and said, we're going to target 150 audiences, she'd have never been successful, but it worked because she went deep and narrow into that one vertical, and I think small businesses can do that as well.
0: Well, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Joe Polizzi joining us. He's the author of Epic Content Marketing, founder of Content Marketing Institute. So, I suspect you, you mentioned some of the, the challenges that you run into with big businesses: a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of opinions, a lot of challenges getting started. But what are the big mistakes that you see small businesses make?
2: Oh man, where do you, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the number one thing. Most of us think inherently that it's the quality of content. We think that, oh, we just don't have a good enough uh, content out there. It's not relevant enough. It's not applicable enough. But in that sometimes is the case, Kelly, but more than anything, content marketing fails because it stops or it's inconsistent. So that, I mean, you got to really think about that. I mean, if you look at the greatest media companies of all time, they were all successful because they delivered content on a regular basis over a long period of time. And I see this with small business. I'm sure you see it with sales reps all the time, where they have an e-newsletter or they're doing a LinkedIn post, and you get to it when you get to it. Now, who's in charge of the blog today? Who's doing the, who's doing the website content today? And it's just not, there's not a priority put on it. So I think we have to really focus on being consistent. I think the The other thing is... You have to go, re- and we talked about this, go really deep into a niche, onto a targeted audience. Most people make that mistake and they go broad. And I think the other one is you have to have a point of view. If you're just creating vanilla content, like here's six steps to do this, that's fine, but you have to take a stance. I mean, you don't want to be loved by anybody. Remember, if, if your content's for everybody, it's really for nobody. You really want to create a point of view that positions you as the expert and take a stand on something. You know, don't go right or go left don't go down the middle
0: well I really think you've hit on something Joe I know that I've experienced it personally and a lot of the people that I talk to in the small business arena the real challenge is resources you don't have that time you don't have someone dedicated to social media or blogging or those kinds of things when you work with small companies what's your best advice on how people get over those kinds of hurdles
2: well it's it's a fact that small businesses, you, you don't have unlimited resources. If we did, it would be a perfect world, but we don't. So what do you do because of that? The first thing, you have to have somebody take ownership in the organization. Now, if you're an individual, that's you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't find help. So let's say that you can create the content, let's say you're really good at speaking, you could do podcasts, and let's say you're really good at being on video and you've got all the equipment to do that, then you can do videos. But I always say just get the raw content however you can. So look at a small business. Sometimes we say, oh, we want our employees to go blog and create blogs, but they're not good writers. They don't get it. Maybe they're uncomfortable with it. You're go- you want that subject matter expertise. You need that to get that in front of your customer base, in front of your audience. So get that content however you can. If they want to do Q&As in email, then great, do it through email. Get that content, and you can easily hire a freelance editor or writer to help you put that content into shape so that you're telling a story that your audience will actually want to engage in in some way. Or maybe you're doing a, a phone interview like we are right now, and then you can, tr- you can transcribe those and get those done, and then you can have that kind of content. Or if it's audio or video. So I think the whole th- idea is, Get find out where the story is at in your organization, right? So oh, wherever that story yeah. is at, and then get the content wherever you can, and then tell those stories in a way that makes sense to do it. I would just say to you that the, the, with the publishing industry changing so much, there's so much amazing talent out there that p- folks that used to work with B2B publishers, B2C publishers, small publishers, large publishers, they're looking for work because that business model isn't doing as well as it used to. So, If you can find those, and there's lots of sites online to go to and find those types of things, or the best thing that I like to do, go to your trade publication and go to the masthead. So go inside the first or second page, go to the masthead, and you find all those wonderful contributors who write for that magazine. They usually don't work directly for the magazine, and they're usually looking for other partners to help them tell better stories. So I love that little tip, and you can use that for any small business can use that in their industry.
0: My guest is Joe Polizzi. We're going to take a quick time out. And when we come back on the other side, much more about content marketing. I want to ask Joe, where is content marketing going? What's the history look or the history we've talked about? Where, what's the future look like for content marketing? You're listening to the Business Locker Room right here on Voice America. Voice America, the host of biz locker radio i'm kelly riggs we'll be right back stay with us
2: now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry
0: app world or android market hi this is kelly riggs the host of biz locker radio How do you take a company from zero to a $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand-new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now, in his brand-new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
1: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
0: This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to the show with compelling conversations, useful content you can use to improve your business today. And if you're in business, you need to pay attention today because we're talking content marketing with Joe Polizzi. And we found out how incredibly important it is, particularly in the economic environment that we live in today. Joe, during the break, you and I were talking about the time it takes to get traction, and people will get discouraged because they don't have the kind of success that they're looking forward to. You shared your own personal experience. Share that with my audience.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, it, And I'm, so frankly, the first six months I was blogging, I blogged every day, and I think the only person who was reading my blog was my mother, and she had no idea what I was talking about. It <laughs> takes a while to get going. It took us probably about two and a half years before I knew that we actually had something that we could build a business off of. And when we, you know, for the the new book coming out called Content Inc., we interviewed countless entrepreneurs and startups. The average time was about 17 months. So if you think about that, You know, you're a year and a half creating content consistently in a channel, creating an audience, and it does work. It absolutely does, but it takes patience, and that's why a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs give up because they're like, I can't do this. Now, the great thing is is once you get through that period – you can literally sell anything you want to those customers because you have built a loyal audience. But most people don't put in the time effort to to make that happen. And if you look at, I mean, look at the greatest media companies of all time. Whether you're looking at the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, look at ESPN. ESPN struggled, as you know, you're a sports guy. They struggled mm-hmm. for years. They were laughing at them. They didn't know if they were going to make it. But they were on cable for how many years? Twenty years, consistently doing sports center every night and then it just took off now they've got a magazine now they got events now they got award shows now they're you know the most valuable part of the disney enterprise that they have but that took them a while to get there so i think if you're thinking about doing this the the hardest thing to do is how do you build a loyal audience over time for them to come back to you over and over again it will work it can work but you absolutely have to put in the time
0: well, I would suspect that for a guy like yourself who this is your business, that creates a real problem with you or for you when you're dealing with large companies because they're certainly not used to looking at a, a return on investment over that period of time or to see any, any sort of response over that period of time. How do you overcome that?
2: Well, I mean the good, the good news is, is that most of us already have audiences built. You know, whether let's say, let's make it very simple and say, okay, you've got a LinkedIn audience, Facebook audience, maybe a Twitter audience, maybe email database, you have customers, so you have a good thing, a good start to go after. Uh, so most of the com- big companies we go in, they're actually starting with something, and we want to do what's called a pilot. We want to start with some small goals. So let's say that we want more qualified leads or we want to create uh, maybe cross-sell or upsell opportunities for current customers. Well, those are small things that we can do and say, look, if we do the right things in six to nine months, we can see some positive indicators. Now, those things we can do right away. So that's the great news about content marketing. You can, you can do it in a shorter period of time. But if you want to dominate the industry and you want to be the leading resource for something, it's probably going to take you longer than a year to do that. And that's where I think that's where the big payoff is. And another good sports example, I love, I mean, Red Bull is a really good example that sort of tells us what's going to happen in the future. Red Bull I mean, is Red Bull a beverage company or is Red Bull a media company? Because in the next couple of years, they're going to generate the majority of our, their revenues outside of beverages. It's going to come from all the events that they do, and they syndicate all that content, and they've got a channel on Apple, and they've got 6 million subscribers to their Red and newsletter and magazine, and you can see it in bookstores and everything. It's amazing, right? It's like uh, – Whoever knew that that was Red Bull, their business model has changed because of content. And I really think that that's something that I think we need to think about as small businesses because we can do that as well as a small business for our little audience that we want to cover.
0: Let's talk some practical ideas. Uh, I, I, wanted, I want to talk a little bit about where, where content marketing is going in just a few seconds before we close out. But let's talk some very practical things. You, you've you made some mention of various social media channels, Joe, but uh, I I know from reading your book, and you've referred to it even in the interview today, that you believe in owning that content platform. Explain that a little more and why that's important.
2: Absolutely, and I'm very passionate about this, so I could talk for a long time, so hopefully I won't talk too long. Uh, There's so many small businesses, big businesses. It doesn't matter what the industry is. Everybody's focused on, hey, what am I doing on Facebook? What about Twitter? Uh, what about LinkedIn? And they focus on creating content programs and building their likes, followers, and fans on those platforms. Now the challenge is, and we've seen this happen with Facebook. If you create connections on those platforms, you can borrow those, you can rent those connections, but you don't own those. Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter owns those connections. So if we can use that for the time being to drive people to our own platforms, we use them. But you can't. I don't think that's a long-term strategy because Facebook, as we've seen, they used to give us the opportunity that if we had a thousand people that like our page and we've created a piece of content on our Facebook page, those. Thousand people would see it, not true anymore today it 's about one percent so that 's really tough. If you build an audience, you spend a lot of time to build up a thousand people that are following you, but only one of you know one to ten of those see it we 've got a problem that 's not going to help our business in any way. so we want to own our own platform. I, I want to create that content and build subscribers through. Most likely, if you're a small business, you're looking at a WordPress-type program, a blog of some kind, articles ongoing that you can share, that you can send people to. Yes, you're leveraging social media, absolutely, but at the end of the day, I want people to come back to my site, and I want to get them to sign up for some kind of content offer. That could be you know, the six steps to eternal happiness in your industry. It could be a playbook of some kind. It's some piece of premium content that they can't get anywhere else. And you want them to go to your site, you want them to sign up for it, so that they can become a subscriber, particularly over some kind of ongoing email offer that you're, that you're sending out. Now, most people say, oh, email is dead, it's all social media. I believe that email has never been stronger than right now. It is harder to cut through the clutter. But the one thing that most people absolutely check all the time is making sure they check their email when they're not necessarily checking every, uh, everybody in their Twitter feed, let's put it that way. So right. I think that's the opportunity. When I say own it, that's what I want you to do, where you're owning your own platform of some kind. Yes, leverage all those social media opportunities that you have. But at the end of the day, we would really want email subscribers so that we have some control over how we communicate with our customers.
0: Yeah, great advice, Joe. So now I become devil's advocate at this point. So I'm I'm a new business, and I've I've had a lot of experience. I'm starting my own business, my own show, and I understand. I've got the WordPress site. I've got a really cool logo. Josh Miles, you know, has been helping me with my branding and my identity, all of those things. And I've got a I've got some killer premium content, but nobody knows who I am yet. So what's the best way to get this boat running a little quicker than say just grinding it out? Like you, like you said, I, mean, I I, bet you learned a lot of things along the way where it maybe took you six months or a year to gain some traction. Are there some tips to getting traction quicker today than perhaps what you were doing before?
2: Yes, actually, and and we used one that, that really kick-started I wish we would have used it sooner, but um, we, we basically, a lot, a lot of what you're talking about that what you do is leveraging influencers. So basically what, what we did and what we uh, tell our customers to do is start with an influencer hit list. What does that mean? An influencer hit list is a list of where your customers are hanging out online when they're not on your site. So where are they? Are they on other blogger sites? Are they on your competitor sites? Are they on media company sites? Are they on association sites? Whatever. We want to list those. And you can use the services like, and that's maybe a good use of clout.com, K-L-O-U-T, or you could use littlebird.com, or you could use Tracker. There's lots of places. Google Alerts is another place to go. So you can get a list of where your customers are actually hanging out around the stories that you're telling and the keyword phrases that you're targeting. And Once you put those together, we actually want to get in front of those people and build relationships with them. So what we do then is we share their content on our social media properties to get attention, but you do it consistently over a period of time, let's say a month or two, so that they act, you actually can get a relationship with them, build a relationship. We did this. This was back in, boy, shoot, 2009, 2008, 2009. We didn't have many subscribers. So what we did was we started to share. We had a hit list of 10, and we started to share their content content but we call it other people's content OPC on our social platforms so that they could see it and every time you share it you tag them on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn and they start to see it over time most companies do it once or twice and then they'll reach out to an influencer and they never get them any attention because they don't know you from anybody but if you do it over time let's say you share their content once for 30 days every day they absolutely know who you are and then once you do that you start creating pieces of content and build them in, similar to what we're doing with the podcast. You're having them on as guests. Uh, maybe you're doing an ebook and you're, you're building that content into the ebook, and you're building premium content offers and getting those influencers involved in that where they're more likely to share with their audience. Those types of efforts, if you don't have a lot of money and you're not going to pay for Google ads or social media ads to get extra promotion, leveraging influencers into your content, sharing their content, building relationships with them over time time is a great way to kickstart the program.
0: Joe, great advice. I, I think salespeople get a sense of what you're talking about because good salespeople understand you need to bring value to your prospective clients before you begin to ask them for anything. In the case of that influencer list, you're, you're talking about actually Propagating their content, I've got to believe that's good for them. And you're doing something that shows that you're willing to invest and create value for them before you ever ask for anything in return. Is that is that a pretty fair assumption? That's, ex-
2: that's that's so true. That's exactly right. I mean, if we can build a relationship, because I wanna if I wanna build a relationship with you, I wanna share your content over a long period of time, and I don't wanna ask for anything. But when I do ask for something, you're not gonna want to say no because I've been helping you for months and months and months. It's the same type of thing. And if we do that over and over with our Content, you're going to get that uh, reciprocation of them trying to help you out and promote your content to their audience. So ultimately, you can steal a little bit of their audience and it
0: become, can become your audience. Super deal. One more quick question before we talk about the future of your business, content marketing. Many people will ask me, and I don't know that I have a good answer for this. I'd really like to get your input on this, get your take. And that is a lot of people will say, Do you think it's a good strategy for me to interview? or feature my customers and or prospects on my blog do you think that's a good idea will that help attract their interest in those kinds of things how how would you answer that question
2: well there's a couple things first of all it has to make sense to the strategy and the content niche so first get that out of the way if it if it fits in that content niche that you're trying to be the leading expert in great the other thing is how hard you know how hard it is to get testimonials today and sometimes if you work with a large company they can't give them anyways. So instead of getting a testimonial get them in front of a camera or get a get a podcast interview or get an email interview not talking about them and using your product or service or how great you are, but just what they're challenged with in the industry. How do they see this problem? How do they go after this challenge? You're just interviewing them, and you're going to highlight them, and it's almost like they're endorsing you. They're not, but they're giving you such great content that you can put on your platform, and you're just positioning them as a thought leader. I think that's absolutely a great way to put it. So if if you can introduce your prospects or your customers into your content marketing strategy, I think that's just a, fantastic way to do it.
0: Now, oh, Good to know. At least I've got a, an answer from an expert in the industry now. But well, just a few minutes before we break and uh, we'll move into our next segment in this show and that is the X's and O segment that we always do with Miles Austin. He comes on and talks about some great new digital tool that's going to make you more productive. Stick around after the break. Joe, before we go to that break, let's talk about where content marketing is going. I know that in talking to Miles, for example, video and, and the advent of video is a very, very big deal. It's getting simpler and simpler uh, to, to really create high-quality content video. Is that the next horizon or is there something beyond that?
2: Um, they're all gonna, you know. What I love about what's going on right now, Kelly, is there's, there's opportunities in every type of channel, uh, especially podcasts, especially videos, and even in print. Believe it or not. So the the issue is is I'll print. I have I love, I'm a print lover, but a lot of people say, oh, print is dead. Well, there's been so many publishers that have stopped producing their print publications that there is a opening for people that get mail and if your customers if your prospects like to get mail wouldn't it be awesome to send them something really educational in the post office that you could actually leverage online as well through digital content so just thinking about those things um what i do think it yes so all this type of new technology, it's fantastic. There's a big opportunity. What nobody is doing is they're not doing it consistently. So I see, look, go to any small businesses YouTube page and you'll see tons of videos and you'll see them all scattered over different topics and not in really any formation like a media company would. That's the problem. So I want everybody, yes, there's all kinds of new technology going on, but what people aren't doing the basic building blocks of what made media companies successful for a long, long time. So that's what I would say. So it could be a podcast. It could be a video series. It could be an email newsletter. It could be a print newsletter. Um, it could be a webinar series. It could be any and all of those things. But what we do know is Pick one that you think makes the most sense and go with that over time. Yes, you're going to want to leverage your other channels, but you're going to do it through one key platform and one content type over time. And if you do that, you'll be successful.
0: Absolutely fabulous interview with Joe Polizzi, founder of Content Marketing Institute. Let me give you the information for Joe. Once again, find him at contentmarketinginstitute.com. His personal website is joepolizzi.com. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at Joe Polizzi. All of the things that you're going to find there are absolutely epic. And that is the title of his new book as well. Actually, it's been it's been around just a little while. Uh, 2013 it was published uh, and called one of the five must read business books of 2013 by fortune magazine it is called epic content marketing how to tell a different story break through the clutter and win more customers by marketing less hey congratulations on your new book coming out joe and i do want to do everything i can to help you with that so make sure you call on us if we can get it out there and talk more about it we're happy to do that thanks for joining us on biz Locker radio anytime
2: kelly thank you so much for the opportunity
0: Fantastic to have you on. All right, we're going to take our final time out. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we'll be joined by my good friend, Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com. He's the web tools guy. And we're going to talk about help desks. No, it, it's not what you think. Stick around. It's important. If you're in small business or if you're a salesperson, you're going to want to listen closely. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. Now you don't have to stay
2: linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App
0: Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years. Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at amazon.com today.
1: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
0: Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Yeah, we're back on BizLocker Radio. Great to have you. And special thanks to Joe Polizzi, contentmarketinginstitute.com. Absolutely killer interview. Again, you're going to want to download this one off of iTunes and listen to it on your daily commute. Doesn't get any better than that. Much like our 54 previous episodes. Yeah, I'm kind of biased, but boy, I tell you what, they've just gotten better and better and better each week. Just finishing up last week on our four weeks of salespeople on our show, Talking Sales, and you're going to want to find that one if you're in the sales world. It was absolutely fantastic as well. Next week, by the way, programming note, next week is Memorial Day, and we'll have a show replay that week, and then we'll be back in two weeks. And so I get a day off, and so does my good friend, Miles Austin, who joins us. For the X's and O's segment. Miles, how you doing,
3: buddy? I'm doing good. I just want to know who voted the fact that you get a day off. Uh, you know, it's a great thing about working for yourself is you have a great boss. I work for myself, too, and I'm always getting called in to sit in the <laughs> office. So. Well, your boss isn't that good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, he's Miles Austin. He's the web tools guy, and as I tell you, each and every week, you need to find him online. Fillthefunnel.com. We add new listeners each week. You want to know where to reach these guys, at Miles Austin. Add him to your Twitter followers. He is uh, one of those guys that you want to pay attention to. Miles, we want to talk about something that maybe wouldn't hit most people's uh, radar in terms of business tools at, at a small business level, and yet in talking with you, it can be one of those really critical tools that can be used, and that's just using a help desk. Tell the audience a little bit about the general idea. What is a help desk, and how can it be used inside of a business?
3: Sure, Kelly. And it, it is common. I think, you know, it's, it's one of the realities that more and more we see more and more people that are starting their own companies. And look, the truth is, we are small. I'm a small company. Um, you know, I don't have a large staff. But I think what we've learned about customers is they don't really care as long as we can serve them and serve their needs in the way that they need to be served. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know when you're working with big companies, whether it's your phone company or utilities or whatever it might be your bank, um, they all have when you call into them or you have a problem online, you can send in and create a trouble ticket or um, some kind of a way other than just a you know where do I go or where do I call kind of a scenario where you can put down your problem in writing in in an email format or online format and click a button and know that it goes somewhere to be received by people that should get it and can do something about it. And what happens is, is we just assume as small businesses, well, that's for the big kids. Um, the truth is no. Um, there are products out there in the market, some of these have been around for 10 years or more, uh, that are wildly successful serving companies like the big boys that can also, the same tool can be serving individual entrepreneurs like myself. And what happens is it really levels and equalizes the user and the customer and, in some cases, the prospect experience because they realize, wow, I got my information. I had a problem or a question or a challenge. I clicked a button. I filled in a form. I told them what's wrong. And if you're working the product, even as a single entrepreneur, you're going to get an email or some kind of a note to you that said, hey, someone's got a problem, and you can respond to that. And I think if your experience is like mine, Kelly, a lot of times the big kids, if you will, the big companies, do a terrible job of responding within a reasonable time frame, at least reasonable to me as their customer. As a small business owner, you don't have 10,000 of these things going on. You might get one or two a day or three. Maybe you'll get two or three a week. depends on your business model. So when these come in, they are just glowing red, in my experience anyway, because it's like, wow, I've got a customer who has a need. That's an opportunity for me, and I'm all over it. And by offering this help desk capability, the first thing I've noticed is all of a sudden one of the reasons why they might not choose me because of the size of my company versus a bigger competitor is taken off the table. If anything, it actually will demonstrate a stronger opportunity to serve because they'll see a much stronger, faster, usually more in-depth, and more personalized response. Now, most people, you know,
0: they think about these things, and they would agree with you, Miles. It's a great idea to have that kind
3: of quick response and a help desk on call and all that. But clearly, that's got to be very expensive. Well, you know what? Brilliant. Let me give you an example. Um, one of the products that we'll talk about probably the most today is a product called Zendesk, z e n d e s k dot com, and and this is true. You can and they all have trials, right? So you can go in and try it for thirty days for free they actually have a starter program that is a dollar per agent per month. And if you're a one agent company like I am, it's a buck a month. So what you'll do is you'll pay that you'll pay 12 bucks and you'll have a starter package for the whole year. Now you get email ticketing, you get the ability to build a knowledge base, which we're going to go into a lot more detail. And then you can connect to a lot of the other applications in your website and all those things out there. If you want to go a little bit more and Integrate in things like satisfaction surveys and build some communities and maybe have a, a custom domain. So it's just not uh, milesaustin at com kind of thing, but actually have it as maybe support at fillthefunnel.com or something along those lines. You can spend 25 bucks a month um, and, and go pay that and have an annual plan. So this is very inexpensive when you realize the power – and the impressions that it gives to your potential customers and your existing clientele. He's Miles Austin,
0: fillthefunnel.com, and they call him the Web Tools guy for a reason. Well, you, you just pretty much blew up my, my big objection. I was, I was sure this was going to cost me an arm and a leg to get started. Uh, $1 a month, I don't know. I'm, I suspect I could afford even
3: that. Well, if you just cut out your Starbucks habit, Kelly, you can do so. But you know what? This, now, you've gone over, really... now you've gone too far. Oh, <laughs> stop it. I hear you. But, you know, this This is really – this happens to me all the time is people assume that these kind of tools are just going to be out of their league. And it's one of the things that we try to teach our clients, and, and I include in you know, my making speeches and presentations around the country. Guys, you just have just, – just be willing, as we've talked many times, open your mind and explore it. Learn about it. You'll find some of these tools might be too much for your budget. That's okay. But be aware of them. And then always be open that when maybe new products come down the road that might do a similar kind of a product, um, you know, you might find um, that it's an opportunity for you that you can use without breaking the bank.
0: All right, so let's let's just jump out on the edge. Let's uh, let's sign up. We get the twelve dollars for a year Zendesk package. What, is, what does that look like to my client then? What, what do they see and, and what interaction do they have with this, this Zendesk
3: product? It's, it's form-based. It looks beautiful because you're running it in their platform, right? So you're not um, creating something on your own. It's all their format and, their, and it looks beautiful, by the way. How do they even um,
0: interact with it, Miles? I mean, where, where would a customer see it? On now my website. You're going to see it
3: on your website or in okay. your email signature or anywhere that's online or even on a business card. You're just going to put a link. And again, you know, in my case, I, I, I think support. in my world, it's com, And so you can put it anywhere. And I think, again, this is one of those ways to be creative and be forward thinking in your use of this. If you've got a help desk, darn well better share it with people and let them know because first impression is, wow. These guys got a help desk and I'll tell you the truth. And this is true. I I use um, another product we'll talk about in a moment if we have time, but I use, and I've used Zendesk for about four years um, previous. And so what we found was people will see a link on a business card or on your website or your LinkedIn profile, or wherever it might be. And you know, say for questions about our product or to get more information and they can click on the link that takes them to your Zendesk application and they can submit their question. What I found was, A lot of people go, let's check this. Let's see what this is like in a pre-purchase mode because they want to see, okay, let's see how they do with this. Let's see how quick they respond. Let's see how they handle my question, right? Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: They click the link. They go there. You're standing – you know, you're boom. You get an email that sends right over to you saying, hey, you got a a request in here, in a ticket in your uh, Zendesk application, and you're in there responding to them. I literally – because in my format, I usually ask for a phone number. I have had people that send in, click that ticket, send it over, and within a minute or so I'm calling them back on the phone to say, first of all, thank you for using our tools. I'm looking forward to have you as a customer. Let's talk about what you're asking if my product or my service can do for you. And it blows them away because remember, we've all had lots of those those, you know, canned messages that, you know. We're experiencing longer, you know, and larger than normal call volume. You're going to be on hold. Your call number 32, and you sit online for half an hour or more. That has never happened to me. I know. Well, you live in the in the wonderful world of La La Land down there in Oklahoma.
0: Well, it's never happened to me today. I mean, come on. Day's <laughs> yeah. not over, my friend. <laughs> day's, day's
3: not over. That's exactly right. Call so, your bank. Or your, call your bank or your cell phone company.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So, so this is something that. There's a link, uh, some reference to on my website that says something like, if you've got a question or if you've got a challenge or if you've had a problem, click on this link and it goes to a page. that. And I'm looking at some of the things on Zendesk. They've got uh, frequently asked questions and things like that. These are the kinds of features that I've seen on uh, the big guy's website, right? So it does really kind of give that feel that there's more
3: there behind the curtain
0: than maybe I suspect.
3: Absolutely. And you mentioned that one of the things that was a surprise for me, I just never really thought about it before until I started using Zendesk was that FAQ or that frequently asked question section. What happens is you have the option if you choose that when you have questions come in and you've responded to them and you've been able to quote close the ticket, right? The customer has been taken care of. You can actually click a little box and add them and they then populate to your own company customized. Frequently Asked Questions section, all within Zendesk. And so now, think about it. Now, as you're answering customer questions, you're solving customer problems, you're building this FAQ. And now when someone says, hey, I'm having trouble logging in. Where do I find my password? They click send. Now, if that's been saved and stored and recorded and solved, now someone else in the future has that problem. And you've turned on that FAQ option. Another customer is going to go look. They'll see, oh, here's a question. Someone else said, I can't find my email. Where do I find it to log in or my login? And they're going to look at it. They're going to read the question, say, yeah, that's me. I can relate to that. And guess what? They're going to see your answer to a previous question right there in front of them. It dazzles people to think that a company is providing that level of customer service. Um, And again, what a differentiator between you and a lot of other people all trying to compete for that business.
0: Absolutely. Well, the the, the misnomer here is that when we're talking help desk, Miles, we're not talking about a group of people that are answering the phone, solving the problems, you know, taking care of anything. We're talking about a conduit uh, that enables people to immediately connect with us, although we may not be next to the phone or something like that. And then we get notified right away and it gives us the opportunity to be very responsive.
3: Yep, absolutely so. And it's, Again, you know, it, you, you have to figure out what's right for your business. The thing I also like about zendesk they're a proven entity. I mean, they're, if, you, if you send in a trouble ticket to the people like Twitter and others, that's who you're getting. You're using a service that is used by some of the biggest companies in the world, and yet you're able to scale it down to be just you and just your company, maybe even a one product company. So it really makes a lot of sense. As I said, um, it's a great product. It works across most industries. Um, but I also like, as you know, I like to experiment with new new tools. So if it's either too expensive or maybe way too much for you, I also, and I run my business on, on WordPress websites, as you know, um, I have a different product that I moved to away from Zendesk, and it might give the audience a little bit of something to look at and compare and contrast. I use a product called Sonic Reply, S-O-N-I-C-R-E-P-L-Y. The advantage is it's cheaper. It's $67 for the pro license forever. It's a one-time fee. The disadvantage is you have to install it on your website. Um, and that might take a little time. You might. Yeah, by the way, I had problems myself, and they came in and did it for me So at no cost, by the way. So it's a great product. You install it right within your own installation of WordPress. Um, and I, I love it. If you go to my site at any time at fillthefunnel.com, i have a link in my menu that says support and in that you click on that you're going to go to my sonic reply installation and i manage i track i do all the things we were just talking about with zendesk but i do it all within my site rather than going to the zendesk site there's some good and some bad to it but it's just less expensive and i can control it completely on my site
0: that's great stuff well miles is always much appreciated another great tool i'm sure we'll talk more about it it's zendesk and then sonic reply those things that you can use in a help desk function for your product, uh, service, or your company. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this version, number 55 of Biz Locker Radio. Thanks for joining us. It's been great to have you. Ryan Treasure has been our engineer, and Brandy Jackson is always our executive producer. And next week, uh, again, programming note, we'll be out next week because of uh, Memorial Day, and we'll see you two weeks from today. I'm Kelly Riggs. Find us at BizLockerRadio.com next time when we join us here on Biz Locker Radio.